Hi, and welcome to the Radius Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in finding out more information about Radius Church, please check us out on our website, radiuschurch.tv. So, as I said, as we conclude this part, uh, um, one of the things that I felt like was just this kind of this... um, loose end, if you would. We've talked a lot about soul healing. We've talked a lot about shame. We've kind of come through this whole thing with the, with the endeavor to, for us to become healed or become healthier. Uh, I don't think that we will ever be 100% until we get to be with Jesus, but we're on the journey. And, and, and then as, as I was kind of processing all this, I thought there is one truth that I can't leave you without. Otherwise, you might think that God's blessing is predicated upon your healing. Aren't you glad that his blessings are not predicated upon how broken or not broken your arrows are? Amen, everybody. God's blessings and favor are not dependent upon our health. Now, while we seek healing, and while we're seeking the healing of emotional wounds, uh, and we should pursue wholeness, uh, we should pursue all that. But I want you to know that we can still arrive at our destination even with broken pieces. It's important that you know that. Because otherwise, what happens sometimes in church culture is we think we have to have it all together and we have to read enough Bible and say enough prayers and sing enough songs and do enough right things to have the blessings of God. But that, my friend, is not the definition of grace. Grace is unmerited favor and it's his kindness that brings us to repentance. So what that says to me is that he blesses broken people. Aren't you glad for that today, right? Um, this message that I'm getting ready to deliver, the outline of it is a message that I preached in 2017. In 2017, I got the invitation to speak at a great church in our community, many of you know it, uh, called Christ the King. And I spoke this message at Christ the King uh, just a couple of weeks before the passing of the founder of the one here in the valley of Dave Browning. And uh, I never had the privilege of meeting him. Many of you think that I did. I never had the privilege of meeting him. I spoke at the uh, Mount Vernon campus and then spoke in the Burlington campus and just days away from him graduating from here to heaven. And, And I just thought it was ironic. And by the way, if you don't know that name, let me just enlighten you just a little bit. Uh, Dave Browning was a man that uh, really was a pioneer, and he came to this valley with this idea of starting a church that was a non-traditional church. Does that sound familiar, by the way? And, and came here and really carved away and really was a trailblazer for so many and for where we are today. And, and I just found it ironic that we have now purchased the building where he started that vision back in like the late 90s. And that we're there now, and then this message, I guess, kept hearing God say, put it in the Broken Arrow series. I don't know what God's doing with all that, but it's important that we know that no matter what we come up against, that we can get to where God wants us, even with the brokenness in our life. Right, everybody? I thought it would be great as a reminder, um, because all of us face storms. Am I right? How many been in a storm? Let me see your hands. Okay, how many are in a storm right now? How many are preparing that you know a storm is coming, right? (laughs) 
I hope I got everybody's hand in that because that's the process of life. We've been in one, we're in one, or we're heading to one, so you better get ready. But, but, but here's what I want you to know because we talked about that God designed us as arrows to hit the target, to soar high, to fly straight and hit the target. And if we're not careful, we'll look around at people that we perceive is killing it, like in a good way, hitting the target. And we'll look around at people and say, wow, they're winning, they're doing good. Look at their marriage, look at their health. And we will think that God's blessing is on them because they've got it all together. And we will feel like we're on the outside of the circle looking in going, how come it hasn't happened for me yet? So let me give you a clue to the people that we look at and compare. People who hit the target, people who have great marriages, people uh, that have great, uh, are great people, people that have great companies, people where there's great churches, I want you to know they are great because they have learned not to ignore or bypass the storms of life. They are great because they have learned how to navigate the storms that come our way. Amen, everybody? And one of our greatest strengths as we end this series, we could be ending this series. Some of you are going, yay, finally, all right? Can we laugh a little? And some are saying, man, I'm not ready yet. I'm not healed yet. I'm not fixed yet. But one of our greatest strengths is knowing where we are broken and learning to take that brokenness as a thorn like Paul and bring it to God and depend upon God in that brokenness. And when we depend on Him, even though we're not healed, His strength makes us strong. Right, everybody? Come on now. Uh, I feel like I'm starting the series. <laughs> uh, and we have to realize, like the character we study, Mephibosheth, that, that we can... Despite our broken legs, despite our broken emotions, despite our broken backgrounds, that we can sit at the king's table. Isn't that good news? And it's at the king's table that we get to have the king's bounty, or I would say the king's blessing. It is at the king's table that our ankles don't have to be healed, but his tablecloth of grace covers our brokenness. And, and it is at his table that we find our power. It's at his table that we find our peace. It's at his table that we find our potential. And everyone in this room has gone through a storm. And the great people that you see in life, they've gone through a storm also. Many of you show up to Radius, and, and some people think that Radius is an overnight success. <laughs> well, it's been years in the birthing, and there's been a lot of pain. In fact, some of you don't even know this. The week we were going to open this church, we used to just have this little square. That was it. We entered in right back there. We had to come through the tattoo shop to come to church. Come on. I mean, no, that's a unique shop, right? Raw, right? The week we opened, listen, we spent like $10,000 mailing mailers to every home in Skagit Valley to invite them out for our grand opening. So we invested a lot of money, and, um, and that's before we even had a church, okay? And so we invested the money to get people to come to grand opening, and the week of our grand opening, a drug deal went bad right out there on the corner. The guy took off running towards our door and got shot and killed in our doorway just a few days before we were like, bless the Lord, come on in. There's a grand opening for you, everybody, having to walk over the chalked outline, right? Uh, uh, and, and so we've had uh, murder, we've had theft. Uh, I remember I was up here preaching, and they used to check the kids in on the computers. And while I was up here preaching, somebody came in, put all the computers in their backpack, and rode off. 
How many were here during that time, right? So we've had murder. We've had theft. We've had vandalism. Sunday, right before church, somebody decided, you know what, I don't like that church, and came through bricks through the windows. And, and if that wasn't enough, we had a flood. And if that wasn't enough, we had this thing called COVID. Anybody remember that? We had 21 families that were connected on the team that moved out of state in the first 12 months. Come on. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? And then if that wasn't enough, we just thought we'd top it off with fire, all right? We had flood. We had fire. I mean, I felt like I was Pharaoh in the 10 plagues. How many know what I'm talking about, right? But we're not hitting on cylinders because we haven't seen any storms Maybe God is not as interested in delivering us from the storm as he is in what we are becoming in the midst of the storm. Maybe it is the storm that he is using to refine us and heal us. Maybe the storms, come on, listen to this. Maybe it's the storms that prepare us for what God has prepared for us. Because if you can't handle it at this level, you'll never be able to handle it at this level. Right, everybody? If you fold in every time a battle or a storm comes your way, how many know the devil will ensure there's always a battle coming your way? Anybody here been in some storms? Right? I've been in some storms. Storms can come in like a tornado and just leave me with broken pieces. Broken pieces of hope. Broken pieces of dreams. Broken pieces. Have you ever had a dream or a hope only to be detoured by a storm? Couples come to an altar all the time and they promise their love to one another and storms come. And they find themselves in a place that is completely different than the day they said I do. The most common miracle in the Bible, it's interesting. I I know I've said this to you before, but the most common miracle by Jesus in the New Testament was the healing of blind eyes. I I find that interesting. I find it interesting because perhaps it's no different than the world we live in today, maybe not physically blind, but maybe becoming emotionally and spiritually blind to the plans and the purposes that God has for our lives. Maybe there's something behind how many times Jesus had to go and tell the blind man to see again. You see, I think the enemy does everything he can to keep us from God's plans and purposes, whether it's the accidents and the incidents that we have talked about for the last six weeks, whether it is those brokennesses, but what they do is they cause us to stop seeing where we can be and only focusing on where we are and forgetting that where we're at is not where we have to stay, right? See, the enemy knows something. He knows that if you can see the target, the chances of you obtaining it are greater than if he can blind your Let me say it another way. It's kind of cheesy, but I think it'll stick. The the enemy knows if you can see it, then you can reach out and seize it. You can grab a hold of it. And so life becomes busy and brokenness happens. So, So the question becomes, how do you keep your dream alive in the midst of the storm? How do you keep your arrow flying straight, even though it has some nicks and some bruises and some fractures in it? Acts chapter number 27 is a really interesting story about a guy by the name of Paul who is going to Rome as a prisoner on a ship, and they get in a storm, and um, I think you can relate to it. Let's look at what happens in Paul's life. Acts chapter 27, just some selected verses. The scripture says, before very long, a wind of hurricane force 
called the Northeaster, swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and we were driven along. Verse number 18. We took such a violent battering. Does anybody know what it feels like to have a violent battering? I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about in the emotional realm. It's just like everything's coming against me. Uh, it just, just everything. If you've ever seen the movie The Perfect Storm, they took it right out of this scripture. It's, it was all the winds blowing all the right ways, all the right circumstances to just mess your life up. The enemy wants to sink our ship, and, and, and they began to watch what they began to do. I'm going to talk about this. They began to throw the ship's cargo overboard. Mm -hmm. When storms come, I wonder how many things we throw overboard. Mm, we'll talk about it. And, and on the third day, with our own hands, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope. Watch that. They gave up hope. There are some of you, the reason that God directed you to be here or to watch online is because you are uh, on the verge of abandoning hope and he wants to speak to you through this message uh, that you could have new hope that even though it's dark today, light comes tomorrow. Come on now, right? So watch this. Let me first address the obvious right here before we get further into this. I want you to see the negative progression that happens as soon as the storm happens. As soon as the storm happens, they, have, they slowly begin to give up. And as they begin to give up, they give up things that ultimately lead to them giving up their hope. So let me just, let, let's just hit a, a couple of them. Um, it, it's kind of when your mind says, I can't even try anymore. I, in fact, hearing that preacher talk about healing sounds like Charlie Brown's parents. I just don't want to hear it anymore. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm at that place where the storm has gone. Not one day, not one week, not one month. It just seems like my life has been in a one prolonged storm. The things that we throw overboard, number one, is we throw valuables overboard. Verse number 18, when it says they threw things overboard, I think some of the things that we throw overboard uh, are, are valuables. Do I have that? Uh, valuables. And verse number 18 says that. Now let me show you. The valuables that I'm talking about, when we, when we were doing this series, we talked a lot about shame. And shame will cause us to self-sabotage. Shame will cause us to think what happened to us is our fault. And shame will cause you to start throwing things overboard that you need to survive. Shame will cause you to throw the blessings of God overboard because you don't feel like you deserve the blessings of God. There's a great book out there. It was written, at least I read it like 20 years ago, called The Success Syndrome. The Success Syndrome is when you have a level of success that exceeds how you feel about yourself because of the shame in your life, you will subconsciously begin to self-sabotage yourself back down to the level that you think you deserve. And God is trying to bless you, but you're throwing the valuable things that he's given you overboard because shame has told you you're not valuable. Come on. But I'm here to tell you, God says you are valuable and he wants to bless you despite your brokenness. Right, everybody? Right, right. And, and, and some of you know what I'm talking about. We've thrown things overboard that we wish we could get back. But they've sunk to the bottom of the sea. We've thrown marriages overboard. We've thrown friendships overboard. We've thrown churches overboard. We've thrown some things overboard because the enemy is terrified 
if you ever recognize who you're supposed to be in Christ. Number two is we throw provisions overboard. Not, not, not only do we throw valuables, but we throw provisions overboard. One of the greatest provisions that God gives us is obviously salvation. But in salvation through grace comes this wonderful gift. And it's the only thing that will fight shame. And it's the gift, according to Romans 8.1, it's the gift of no condemnation. And if we're not careful, and if you don't get on the right ship, <laughs> you'll get on a ship where they're preaching all you have to do in order to be blessed and invite condemnation back. But I want you to know you're on a good ship lollipop today, everybody. <laughs> and you're on the ship that's telling you there is now, therefore, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The, the, the provision of no condemnation. So what I want to say to you is don't throw grace overboard. Don't throw a friend overboard. Don't throw a coach overboard. Don't throw a life group overboard. Are you getting what I'm saying? Don't, well, let me say it one other way. Don't take for granted the provisions that God has put in your life. Sometimes the provisions will look so contrary to the feelings that we have learned to live with. This church, by the way, is a provision that God has directed your paths for such a time as this to be here on a day such as this because God wants to say something to you and raise you back up. It's too early to abandon ship, everybody, all right? Number three, the third thing that we throw overboard is eventually we'll throw hope overboard. And when you throw hope overboard, you're in big trouble. And I want to tell somebody this. Your best days are not behind you. You can keep looking back and say, I would have, I could have, I should have, I should have zigged where I zagged, I shouldn't have done this, I've already thrown some things overboard, but what the devil meant for bad, God will turn it around and make it good. Your best days are still ahead of you. Come on, everybody. I like what the old hymn writer, anybody been in church long enough to remember what hymns are? I'm not talking about males and females, I'm talking... I seen one young girl go, I know him, woo! The old hymn writer said, my hope is built, come on old timers, on nothing than Jesus and righteousness. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Right? That's our hope. Our hope is not what's going on in the stock market. Come on, somebody. Our hope is not what's going on in the White House. Hello, anybody. Our hope is not who gets voted and who doesn't get voted. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus. Proverbs tells us this. Uh, Proverbs says something very valuable to us. It says that hope deferred makes the heart grow sick, right? But our hope doesn't have to be deferred if we put our hope in Jesus. If you're putting your hope in the economy, your hope will be deferred for a little while. <laughs> and that makes your heart sick. And it shows up on your face. All right? So let me get to this next little step. Those are the, that's the, just the progression of negative. But what I really want to talk about today as we close this series is the strategies to survive the storm. Because they're coming. We're in them. They're around us. They happen every day. They happen, they last time. What I'm getting ready to tell you is four strategies for surviving the storms. I think when we get to the last point, it's going to draw a thread through this entire series. And my prayer is when I give you the last point, and don't give it to me until I ask for it, 
I'm hoping you'll have a Shazam Gomer Pyle moment. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that I'll see little emojis pop up over all of your heads, little light bulbs, and there's this breakthrough moment. That's right. But I want to build up till we get there. And here's how we survive. Now, they're going to sound very simple, and forgive me for that, but sometimes in the storm, don't we lose some of the simple survival things? Yeah, I think we do. Let's, let's, let's look at it. Uh, to survive the storms, here's number one. Number one is stay on the ship. Mm -hmm. uh, now, I know I got some seamen in here, and I know somebody might say, they might argue with me on that, <laughs> but I'm only going to read what happened in Paul's storm and what Paul did when I say stay on the ship, let's look at it. Acts chapter number 27. Here's Paul talking in the middle of a perfect storm. Paul says, in an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let down the lifeboats, or excuse me, let the lifeboats down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurions and the soldiers, watch this, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. Unless you stay with it. And, and, and I guess what I wanted to say to somebody in the middle of that is I, somebody just needs to be encouraged to keep on doing the right thing even though you haven't seen the right results. Yeah. It, it, you, you need to just stay on the ship. Someone here needs to know that it's too early to abandon ship. Uh, I, I don't know about next month. I'm not here talking about what you should do next month. But somebody here right now needs to know that it's too early to abandon ship. It's too early to give up. There's a serious crisis going on in our nation in suicide right now, especially amongst teenagers. And I need somebody that's listening to me to just hear me say, live one more day. Get through one more day. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Go one more week. Fight one more battle. Because truly where you're at is not where you have to stay. And the feelings that surround you today, if you can just imagine yourself six months from now, your life could be totally six weeks from now, six days from now, five minutes from now, you could get a phone call that could change everything. So please don't abandon ship. Stay on the board. Come on, everybody. Your, your breakthrough could be one phone call away. One phone call could change everything. Keep on doing the right thing even when you don't see the results. Keep your goal in mind even when the arrow is broken. Remember why you started the journey. Remember why you got married. Remember why you have these kids. Remember why you started that thing. Remember it. Don't abandon. Somebody don't abandon the marriage. Not yet. You, you can talk to me later, but... Don't, don't abandon it today. Don't, don't abandon the church today. It's crazy how many people get mad at the church for one reason or another, forgetting that we're a bunch of jacked up people sitting here. And yet we want the church to make all the perfect heavenly decisions. Right, everybody? Don't abandon the place that's building you up because your feelings got hurt. Don't abandon the church. Let, let's do another thing then. Don't abandon your peace. Don't let somebody else have that much power that you give them your peace. Don't abandon your joy. Don't abandon your hope. See, here's what I've learned in life. Sometimes it takes more faith to stay with it than it does to leave it. Mm. When you don't know what to do, stay. When you've done all you can do, stand. 
I feel like singing that song, but it's way out of my range. Oh, won't you stay? That's the best I got. You didn't come to hear me sing. You came to hear me preach. Come on, everybody. Remember when the disciples were on the boat and Jesus was asleep and they were freaked out because there was a storm? They had to go back there and wake Jesus up. And Jesus is like, what is the matter with you guys? I'm on the boat. Watch this. The storm doesn't have to stop as long as Jesus is on the boat. That's right. And staying might mean you have to get rid of your backup plan. Oh, there's so much I'd like to say right there. I'm trying to make this marriage work, but just in case, Acts chapter number 27. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it drift away. You want to talk about getting rid of a backup plan? They got rid of a backup plan. Some of us aren't as committed as we could because we got a backup plan. I got a phone number of an old high school Sweetheart. So I'm not as committed to this storm that I'm in. Uh, okay, let's pick on me. You guys like it better when I pick on me, so let's pick on me. Patty and I started a Bible study uh, down in Marysville when we first came back to town. And a few people were coming, and it was hard going. But I knew that I was supposed to come back to the valley to finish unfinished business. I knew that. And... and Sometimes preachers are good at wrapping everything real spiritual and, and coming up with all kinds of spiritual reasons why God hasn't led yet. And, and I was doing that. In the midst of that, I was very uncommitted. I had one foot on, on, outside of it, and I had one foot on, oh, we're just doing a Bible study. We're not starting a church kind of thing. And yet people were coming, and God was providing. And I got a phone call from a church in a city that I would love to have lived in in California. And they called me, and they asked me if I'd do an interview with them. And I said, yes, because it's easy to justify, oh, this must be God. But how many know every good door is not a God door? There's a, what's that, a wolf that comes in, oh, you guys know that one too. All right, okay. And, 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 and so we set up a Zoom interview, and we Zoom interviewed, and it was awesome, and it was great. It was an established church, a, a really rather large church uh, with multiple campuses. And, and, and just through that hour-long interview, they felt like, man, you're the guy. We want to fly you down here, and, and let, let's get this working. And we were living in an apartment down south of here, and I went for a walk. I didn't even tell her this yet, but I just went for a walk to begin to pray about it. And I couldn't even pray because I knew I was supposed to come and do unfinished business. But I'm flesh just like everybody else. An established church with a really good salary versus a coffee shop with leaks in it with $17 in the bank. Come on, somebody. I'm really not that spiritual. I like to eat too. <laughs> and I went for a walk and I just felt God very boldly say, cut the ropes. Without even going back home to talk to her, while I was on my walk, I called them back. I said, thank you for your time. I just can't do it. And I hung up. Now, it's easy to tell that story now because look at what's going on. Yeah. 
But this ain't what was going on when that phone call happened. Sometimes you got to cut the ropes, and that takes faith. And I believe that God is a rewarder of those who operate in faith. Amen, everybody? Number two. The second thing you have to do is you have to feed yourself and rest. I know it's very elementary, but look at what Paul says in the same chapter, 27, skipping to verse number 34. Now, I urge you to take some food. You will need it to survive. You will need it to survive. When you're in a storm and when you're trying to get to a destination and there's a storm coming, condemnation will push you farther away from the very things you need. Condemnation will push you away from God, push you away from peace, push you away from joy. But when we live in grace in the midst of the storm, we go and feed our spirit or feed our soul. It's time uh, that we press, it's in the time of the storm that we press into God. Friends, it's time to feed our spirit, feed your dream, feed your marriage. Here's the bottom line on this one. Whatever we feed is what grows. Mm -hmm. And you can feed fear or you can feed faith. But whatever you feed is what's going to grow. And um, I, I, I know it's easier to worry. Isn't it easy? How many would agree with me? Let me just see. Is it easier to worry? Let me just see. I know there's some super, super sheep in the room, but um, it, it, it's like, it's easier to worry, isn't it? Isn't it easy? Like, like, and it always happens at two in the morning, doesn't it, right? I come, I can't worry about something at two in the afternoon. It always has to be two in the morning. Am I right? Is that the, like the time? Yeah. And God says, don't worry about anything. I love the birds too. And at two in the morning, I go look out the windows and I don't see any birds pacing around going, oh man, I don't know what I'm going to do. Where are we going to get these worms? I don't know. I mean, right? You don't see that happening, but God takes care of them. Right? And, and the Bible says I'm more valuable than them. But I'm the knucklehead in there walking around. Oh, God, I don't know how we're going to get through this one. I've brought you through a million things already, dude. What's your problem? That's how God talks to me. I don't know how he talks to you. (laughs) I know it's easier to worry. But how many of you would also say worry won't help? Yeah, yeah. Isaiah chapter number 40, verse number 31. You know it. It's probably on your refrigerator. But they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Ooh, I like that. Let me get to number three. Number three is not only should we stay on the ship, not only should we feed ourselves and rest, but number three, come on somebody, we got to praise God in the midst of the storm. The Bible talks about offering up a sacrifice of praise. It's easy to sing and praise God when everything's going good. But can you sing and praise him while you're watching your ship go down? Can you praise him in the dark times about the revelation he gave you in the light times? Can, can you? That's the sacrifice. Any, we, can, we can all be cheerleaders when we get the raise and we get the new position and we got the new car and we closed on the new house. But can you, when you can't even see the tunnel, much less the light at the end of the tunnel, can you keep praising him when everything's wrong? Yeah. Acts 27, verse number 35. Here's what Paul says. After that, he said this. He took some bread and watch this. He gave thanks to God. What is in the midst of the storm? Come on, there is a storm going on. And Paul says, well, we better eat. We're going to need some energy to swim to shore. And and before we eat, we better just give God a little praise. I want somebody to know this. I want, and men, I'd really like you to lean into this one. 
Because I want you to know that praise is your superpower. You know how mad the devil gets when he's throwing all of hell at you and you just keep singing, ah, oh, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has, right? You know how frustrated he gets? He's like, skip them. I'm going to move on to somebody else that's just a grumpy toe, all right? I mean, come on, right? Yeah. I- I- anyone can praise him when the answers are there. Um, here's what we could praise him for. We could praise him that while I'm not where I want to be, so thankful I'm not where I could have been. But thank God you're not where you were. I've told this story a bunch of times, but I still like it, and it's my sermon, and I'm going to preach it the way I want to. (laughs) Paul and Silas are in prison. They're not just in prison. They're not like in country club prison. They're in prison prison. They're underneath the prison where the sewer is running raw, in stockades. And Paul starts singing. Is that the cray? I think Paul was just not right in the head. I just, I would have hated to have been Silas. Wouldn't you hate to have been Paul's ministry partner? I mean, can we just have one day where we can complain and vent Paul? I mean, I got sewer running over my feet. Rats are running. I'm in stockades, and you want to sing, I will rejoice and be glad in it. Right? Come on, Silas, join in. Right? But the Bible says when they began to praise that the earth began to shake. Woo! And the prison doors opened. Now, I've always subscribed to the idea that God wasn't shaking the prison gates open so that he could get Paul and Silas out. I subscribe to the idea that the prison doors were open. I know this will mess with your theology because God can walk through walls. I get it, but just go with the illustration. I subscribe that the prison doors opened as a symbol that God was going to come to where the praise was happening. Because the Bible says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. He says that he inhabits the praises of his people. We need some men to start being warriors through praise. We need men to be the loudest singers in the room. And if you can't sing here, sing at home. Go in the closet, go in the shop, go in the doghouse where you are a lot of times anyway, and sing. Somebody said amen. Yeah, I know. Preach that, brother. All right, yeah. Right, right? We need some warriors to praise. Now, don't give me number four until I ask for it. Here's number four. I just wanted to see the whites in your eyes before I gave it. When the storm is blaring and the arrows are broken and the series is ending and you feel like I haven't been put together yet, I have good news for you. The fourth thing you got to do to survive the storms, number four, is you need to remember God can get you there on broken pieces. God can get you there on broken pieces. Amen. Your health does not, your health or lack thereof does not detour the power of God. Amen. Aren't you glad for that? Yeah. Now, you've got to be careful because there are some Christian circles that will tell you you better get it all together and you better follow this membership rule and you better read enough, pray enough, walk right, talk right, act right so that God can bless you. I am so glad that God's grace and God's favor is bigger than my mess-ups and my brokenness. Amen? <laughs> Watch this. 
Let me read it to you in scripture, and then we're going to close this thing out. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow struck fast and, and would not move. And the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. You ever felt like that? It's not one problem. It's the pounding, continual, rhythmic pounding of one wave after another wave after one bad news and another bad news and the devil is not fair and the storm is relentless and if it would just stop already then it picks up in verse number 43 it says this I got verse number 43 it says he ordered those who could swim jump overboard first and get to land but for the rest of us that don't know how to swim The rest were to get there on planks or on other pieces of the ship. Let me paraphrase. The rest of us might have to get there on the broken pieces of a broken life. (sighs) In this way, everyone, the broken, the non-broken, the rich, the poor, the ones that grew up in a good moral home, the ones that didn't even grow up in a home at all. In this way, some of you are healthy enough to know how to get there. But some of us are like Mephibosheth with crippled ankles. Come on now. And and we're going to have to hang on to some broken things. Uh, You can't go back to your childhood and make it better. But you can hold on to those broken pieces. You can't go back to that first marriage and make it better. But you can hold on to the broken pieces. And God is saying, don't be ashamed of the broken pieces. Hold on to the broken pieces. Because the broken pieces will be what you stand with on that new shore. Saying, if the devil could have killed me, he should have killed me while he could. But these broken pieces remind me of what God, what the storms that God has brought me through. Amen, everyone? Come on now. Now, now let me, let me close by saying this. Some of you are working on it so hard. Some of you have told me, man, I listened to the whole series again. I listened to the whole thing again. You're working so hard to get the healing, and I applaud you. I wish everybody would work on it that hard. But you feel like as hard as I'm working on it, the storms keep on coming. Does anybody feel that way? I'm taking the notes, I'm reading the scriptures, I'm hearing the messages, but the storms keep on coming and I'm falling apart and you wonder, will the arrow ever be healed? You've set your sail on high hopes and all that you have left is broken pieces and you feel like you can't swim. When we started Radius, we finally, I finally came back and said, let's start this thing. And as we began to start this thing, we were planting Radius Church and I didn't even know it because I had left in 2011 and came back. When I came back, I came back to some of the craziest rumors you ever want to hear about me. If I wouldn't have come back, I wouldn't have heard them. What's up with that, God? (laughs) If I could have just stayed where I was, I wouldn't have had to hear those things that are challenging the broken places in my life. What's up with that, God? Crazy stuff like I embezzled money and the FBI was looking for me. Now, how many know if the FBI is looking for you? But it bothered me. It doesn't have to be logical. Heard rumors that I had an affair. The way you know I haven't had an affair is I'd be dead. <laughs> I have not had an affair.
I'm not sure if you're applauding the me dead part. <laughs> Came back to rumors that they hurt. They hurt the broken places of my life. Um, came back to a local pastor in this valley that was very mad at me. You know, when you get a Christian mad at you, you're in big trouble. Because they'll quote scriptures on you, and they'll say God told them to tell you off, and, you know, stuff like that. We had a church that was going to sponsor us and pay our salary for one year while we started the church. We got here, rented our first little building, and they said, sorry, we can't do it. We started having to fly back and forth because Patty's mom was dying in the hospital and graduated during that season to go be with the Lord. I don't want to get into the story, but while her mom was dying and we were flying back and forth to be here for every Bible study, our hearts were broken. At the same time, my mother stopped talking to me. She was mad that I moved to Washington where my dad was. Didn't get to talk to her or share any of the news about birthing this church. At the same time, the dad that I came to do life with started showing the early signs of dementia. The guy that I loved hanging out with no longer remembered that I even came to visit him and hang out with him and told him about what was happening. And the storms just felt like they kept on coming and I felt like I don't know how to swim. But God said, you just grab all those broken pieces of your life and I'm going to use them as a trophy in your life. And I know your boat is broken and I know you've been dropped. But God wants to say to somebody in this room today, you can get there, even if you get there on broken pieces. Amen, everybody? Amen? Come on. I want you to stand with me all over this place.